Welcome in the name of the Lord. I'm excited about this uh, sermon. It's been um, burning for a while in me for a little bit, and especially this week, just over and over, just burning in me. And I was in my quiet time in Isaiah, and it talks about us being faithful. And it reminded me of a couple years ago, early in my ministry, I was actually speaking to a youth group from uh, Powdersville, First Baptist Church Powdersville, which is outside of Easley, just below Clemson. And we were down at the Isle of Palms Baptist Church. And they asked me to come speak, and this is no joke. I began to speak and really try to listen to the Lord. And all of a sudden, revival broke out. And I'm not making this up. It, it broke out so much that the youth pastor, Mark Bishop, you can look him up, he's a senior pastor now, he looked at me and he said, John, I don't know what to do. He looked at me and said, I, I don't know what to do. I said, don't do anything. Just let the Spirit, you all know me, right? A, B, C, yeah, you know me. And so I just like, man, just let the Spirit go. And then all of a sudden people began to get up and go to talk to other people. And, and, and I mean, there was healing, there was reconciliation, there was all this stuff happening. And it happened, I think, a couple nights in a row. In fact, then I remember uh, our youth group was down there, and it was just amazing to see that. And I see these movements of God. And for you senior saints, listen, if y'all been going with Jesus for a while, is this not the truth? Bigger level, bigger devil. Is that not the truth? I'm telling you, when, I know, when like, with God, there's these highs, and then there's what? Come on, lows. And it always happens after a high. It always happens after a high. Think about it. Jesus resurrected Lazarus from the dead. Ten days out from his death and resurrection. And, and just in a couple days later, at a very high moment, at a couple days later, Peter looks at him because he sees that resurrection. He says, man, I'll die with you. He said, I'll go to jail. I'll die. And Jesus, <laughs> you know, when he like does that little juke move, you know what I'm talking about? And he looked at Peter and he said, nah, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you is wheat. Peter, he says, but don't worry. I prayed for you. And when you come back, basically restore your brothers. So what happens is, then Peter's like, I mean, can you imagine Peter? He just comes off this high. I mean, this guy's the closest the guy, raises somebody from the dead, spiritual high moments, and all of a sudden, man, it's low. In fact, it's so low that they accuse Peter three times. And he denies Jesus. And the word of God says in Luke 22 that Jesus looks at Peter after his denial. From a high to a low. When you walk with Christ, here's what's going to happen. Are you all ready for it? Please, listen, go with me in this journey today. Fight the enemy because whenever we do things spiritual, he attacks you asleep. Am I right? I mean, why did Peter, James, and John fall asleep? The spirit is willing, but the, uh-huh, be ready. Because you're going to be under attack this morning. I forewarn you. But here's what's happened. Though we're no match for it, Jesus already is. So here's what's going to happen. God is going to take us in our salvation. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Remember that in Colossians 1.27? And he's going to put you and I in dark places. Why? Why does he put us in places where people around us are broken and don't know the Lord? Because we are the image of God to those who are lost. The Bible says, we're the aroma of Christ. Remember that in Corinthians? And so you and I are going to go to places where people don't know. And I'm telling you, I am telling you that, man, with God, he's going to put us in that place, and he's going to make a bridge, and you'll have relationships with people you never thought you had. Some of them will hate you and me. They will reject us. They will despise us. But some We'll come to know Jesus, and we take the cross, we deny ourselves, take up our cross, follow Jesus, we go into those jobs, we go into those places, we go back to our families who maybe never knew Christ, and we go in and we put our stake in the ground. Jesus Christ is Lord on Christ the solid rock. And we stand and we see God work. So we see his work around us, 
while there's a fire raging within us. The cross is beautiful, that it doesn't just work horizontally when we go to these places and he puts us and I as missionaries in places of brokenness. It's not just a horizontal where we see God bridging the gap to people that don't know him, but it's the vertical part where Christ became human and then sent his Holy Spirit that his Holy Spirit could fill us. One thing I love about Jesus, he doesn't just bridge the cross for my sin, he takes away and then fills the emptiness of my life with the Spirit. But there'll be times when you and I are in this place. Is anybody in this room when you, God's called you to do something, you feel distant from him? Anybody? Me. I feel distant from God so many times. You know that only. You just feel alone. You ever feel that way? You can be, you can be with Christians. You can be in worship and still feel alone. And it's, listen, the only, the reason why that I can feel alone in my family is because my wife Lynette is not Jesus. My children are not Jesus. There's only one Jesus. And the only person who can satisfy, there's an old song. There's an old song, Andre Crouch, he's saying, can't nobody do me like Jesus. There's only one person who can fill you. And it won't be anything else in this world. There'll never be enough. Marriages will never make it. Money will never make it. Jobs will never make it. And you'll grow old and you'll feel the emptiness like Solomon in your life in Ecclesiastes. And you'll say, what's the purpose without the filling of the Holy Spirit? Now, I believe when you're born again, you get the Holy Spirit, and you won't get all the Holy Spirit you won't get, but there are feelings in your life. You look at Acts 2, there's feelings, Acts 4, there's feelings, the same thing happened, but I'm telling you, there's going to be distance. And the only way in ministry, as you and I are missionaries of the gospel, what do we do? We cast the aroma of Christ, we spread, we cast the shadow of the image of God. We are not Jesus, but we cast this shadow in love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We return good for uh, evil and not evil. For evil, and we cast the image of the Savior, and then people see Jesus, and they're turned to him as we speak the gospel, and as we proclaim the gospel, and as we walk in the gospel. But there will be distance in our lives. Woo! And what do we do? 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 10 says, this is not our main chat passage, but you can see it up here. But we have this treasure. And what is the treasure? It's the gospel. We have this treasure in jars of clay. We're jars of clay. He's going to go on in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're a tent wasting away but being renewed day by day. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God. In distance there will be power, I promise you. It will not come from your best friend. And it will not come from your lover. It will come from your Savior. This all-surpassing power is from God. It's not from Lynette. It's not from my kids. It's not from job. It's not from recognition. It's not if this church grows to 18,000 people. It will not be that. In fact, if this church grows to 18,000 people, the burden will be greater. Because to whom much is given, I'll, ju I'll Jesus juke you for a moment, because to whom much is given, what? Mm-hmm. And not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side but not crushed. See the distance? Hard press. You ever felt pressure? You ever felt pressed? Come on. Yeah. You ever felt, you ever perplexed, confused? I don't know what to do next. What do you want me to do? I'm not satisfied. There's a stirring in my soul right now in the middle of my life. I'm in a stirring of my soul. I've got three options I can do. I'm not leaving some of them. I'm just saying there's three options outside that I could do because I'm constantly trying to grow. I've got this spirit of entrepreneurship. I just got to continue to do things. But I'm not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned because Jesus said he'll never leave me or forsake me. He didn't say that the persecutions wouldn't come. He just said the persecutions wouldn't reign. And I'm struck down. You might be down. You might be working with people and ministering to people who are down, but they are not destroyed if they're in Jesus. The righteous man may fall seven times. And then what scripture says, but what does it say he's going to do? Yeah, he's going to get up. No parking on the dance floor. Y'all don't even know that old song. Some of you do. Some are like, oh, gosh, disco ball. All right. We always carry around our body the death of Jesus. That is, we're dead 
and our sins, but the resurrection of Christ, so that life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. So, so why is this? So this distance can cause despair. This distance can cause hope. Things can go wrong and awry. I mean, people are watching right now on Facebook all over from North Carolina, all over the place. And listen, I want to tell you, despair, distance can equal despair. I can get distance from God. It's easy for me just to read the pages, but not hear. Distance can cause despair, but in the Bible says that the despair will not come upon me. Though I might be confused, I will not live in despair. Well, why is that? Why is there this horizontal where we take the cross and we go into places and God sends us to places that none of us want to go, but the love of God gives us peace and we can't get peace to do anything else? Come on, am I telling the truth? Shame the devil. Right, Miss Penny? You've been a missionary all over the world, right? I mean, you go to a place, you're like, what am I doing? And people around you think you're crazy. Because it's perplexing. But why do we do it? And while we're in these places, we think, what's going to happen? Romans 8 gives us such hope. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Even in distance, God's love is not far from us. Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of the sword? Go to verse 37, if you don't mind. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Then one of my favorite verses, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, that means when we die, we're going to be in the love of Christ. Death cannot separate us. It didn't separate Jesus from the Father, and it will not separate us. How about this one? Neither angels nor demons. Ooh, here we go. Neither the present nor the future. Notice he didn't say the past. You want to know why? Because the past don't matter. Well, I was in a bad relationship before, so I can't trust somebody. But when the work of God is in your life, you know what? The cross before me, the world behind me. No turning back. I'll follow him. Neither the present nor the future nor any prowess, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation. Because notice angels and demons are created. We'll be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When we have Christ, it is the love of Christ in the midst of those situations. It's in the midst of marriages and friendships and ministry and all the things that we do and all of our past. And maybe you come from a family that just doesn't even know Christ and all the things that you've experienced from that or you're in a situation where there's a boss. It's just, or you're in a situation that maybe, the, maybe you've done it to yourself. But I want you to know the love of Christ is greater than anything. So the cross, what I love about the, the, the cross, the, the horizontal and the vertical, the cross doesn't just cover the width of my sin, it covers the depth of my sin. Because see, the width, the width is this. The width is this, is that I am separated, but we just said, who can separate us from the love of God? There's a separation. And that separation, that separation can only be covered by the bridge of the cross. And when we take that bridge of the cross and we go into places that God sends us, it is the only way to close the gap between their sins and a sinless God is Jesus. But there's something interesting about that gap. That gap is not only have width, it has depth. And that depth is the internal part. The depth is there. So we're in this series on transformation. And I want to, here's the point today. It's all on Summit Facebook. Here's our main idea. Here's where we're going today. The transformational confession we have today. Here's the main idea. Here's where we're going in everything. The transformational confession for us to pray through today, pray through this week, is this. Because of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit, distance will never equal despair. Distance from God because of my sin or rebellion, even though I'm saved, and I feel distant from him. I don't feel, maybe I'm walking right with God and I feel like my prayers don't go any. Distance from God will never equal despair from God because I have the Holy Spirit within me. I am filled and sealed. And so where are we going today? The transformational confession we confess over the air today and shift the atmosphere for the Lord is this.
is that because of Jesus and the filling of the Holy Spirit, my distance will never equal despair. And then we're going to ask God to fill us with his Holy Spirit. That's where we're going today. So here's what I want, I want to have. Distance does not mean dumped or discontinued. We might be disappointed, but we're not disassembled. Luke. Here's where we're going. Let's turn there. Luke 22. This is so good. Luke 22. This is right here. Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross. You know the setup here. Luke 22. I want to I set something up for you that created distance. That created distance. I want you to see something here. Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And I'm going to pray, uh, and I thank God for Robert praying, but I'm going to pray and ask God, God to just do something in and through us as we acknowledge him in our, in our unified presence as the body of Christ, the called out ones. We've been called out of the world from darkness into light. And now we all go and set our light on a hill so that people can see it. So as Matthew 5, 16 would say, let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we're the, Jesus is the light of the world and he, Christ in us, the hope of glory becomes the light to those who don't have hope and God puts us in hopeless situations so there'll be light in the midst of darkness. We don't like it. But we can't get away from it because we'd rather be with the presence of God. I don't think Moses really liked the desert but he he went in the desert because he really liked God. And he said, I'm not going anywhere. He wouldn't even come out of the desert. He wouldn't come out of Sinai. He said, unless God, unless you go with me. Let's pray. Lord, I don't want to come with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the spirit of power so that everybody in this room, their faith would rest on, uh, not on human wisdom, but on the spirit and a power. Thank you, Lord. I confess my sins, but I confess my Savior's greater. I confess that you are holy, I confess that you are righteousness, and I confess that my distance will never equal despair. I confess that if a child of mine is distant from you, it will never equal despair. I confess, Lord, that if I grew up in a family that was distant from you, it will never bring despair, because who can separate us from the love of God? We don't live by despair. We live by deliverance. And we confess that to you today. You are good, and your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We praise you. The word of God, sharper than any double-edged sword, is going to cut right now through our joints and mirror, rightly dividing the soul and the spirit. And may you be glorified. May Satan be horrified and the saints edified. And all God's people say, what? Woo! Amen and amen. Y'all done got me going. I feel like ready to go to Bro Day or something. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. All right, here we go. Uh, Luke 22, verse 31. Simon, Simon. He didn't call him Peter, Peter. It's a whole other sermon. Use another name. His name before he was called. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to what, saints? Sift you as wheat. Why does my distance not equal despair? Because of this. Because Jesus is interceding for me and the Spirit of God is filling me. But we probably will go through a sift. Prove it, John. You're just superimposing. You're isogeting. Oh, where's, my, where's my little uh, biblical theological... F- Uh, freaks in the room that know what I'm talking about. Isogesis is reading what I want into the text, right? But exegesis is taking X out, out from, out from the text, what the Word of God says. I'll show you. Everybody in this room, guess what's coming? Woohoo! You got it! The glamorous life. Y'all have not... Okay, I'll show you. Here we go. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as sift you ESV would say, okay, I love the ESV, I love the ESV, and I love the NASB. They're two of my favorite scriptures. And I love old King Jimmy, because that's all we had growing up. And every time I get spanked, I had to memorize scripture in the Bible. Y'all didn't grow up like that, but (laughs) this guy. And so, right, and so I'd have to memorize scripture. 
And so I just want to say this, that here the ESV really is not giving you the accurate. Uh, NIV, I'm reading I'm reading out the NIV here, but the ASV is not going to be accurate enough, and, and, and it's, it's way better than NIV. NIV is written on a fifth grade level, and that's why I use it. <laughs> right? I failed 10th grade. So it's written on about an ESV 11th, 12th grade level. But look what it says here. This is NIV which is the actually correct in the Greek, for once they got it right. I'm kidding. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift who? In the Greek, that word is, is, is a second person plural. It's you all. It's you all. The ESV is wrong. And even John Piper would say that. So it qualifies. Let's go back to your Greek. They're, they're, just, they're just, they're writing it in context. So it's you all, all of you, He's meeting all the disciples. Now he says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you. He's referring to all the disciples are going to be sifted. And then he, why, did, why is this in Scripture? Because it's timeless. It's for all people at all time and all places. It's not a prophetic word that's for a specific time and a specific place for a specific person. That's why it's not in Scripture. But this is a prophetic word and that it's for, for all time. We are all going to be sifted. But your distance from God is not, ooh, despair. Right? It's not. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you. Sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you. The prayer of God is changing everything. That word sift, I want you, if you feel led to write this down, it means this. It, uh, one, one would say it, it means proved by trials. We're going to be in the midst of trials. There will be a sifting. It means proved by trials. But I, I, I love the other one. It means to shake and a sieve. Now, what do I mean by that? There are some people in here that have turned me on three years ago, four years ago. I never drank much coffee in my life. I just didn't. Woo. I grew up with people. They would drink it straight black. I grew up in North Carolina, straight black coffee and smoking a cigarette. Mostly non-filter people. We're talking North Carolina. We're talking tobacco, right? Y'all with me? Right? And so all of a sudden, four years ago, I got introduced to coffee. Nancy, it's amazing. It takes me to places I never knew I could go. And so for my wife's birthday, I, I didn't know what to get her, but I know that she loves coffee. And she's the one that kind of turned me on to this. Now, I like my coffee about this much coffee, about this much creamer, and about that much sugar. All right, so that's kind of caffeine and sugar. Oh, that's a whole nother level. Close to Golden Corral, but not. All right, so, so I, I actually, for her birthday, I'm terrible at gifts. I don't know what to get her. Husbands, are y'all with me? Boyfriends, are y'all with me? Or just a single dude, are you with me? Right? We don't know what to get. Everything's wrong. And if you try to pick out clothes, it probably is not going to fit. And it's not going to be the right size. It, doesn't mean, it just doesn't meet my color scheme. It doesn't mean, I didn't even know I had a color scheme. So I, I, just, I just said to her, I said, I, okay, so I didn't know what to do. Guess I bought her a coffee maker. You can't go wrong with that. And it was a double gift because it worked for her and worked for me. <laughs> right? Right? But so the sifting is the seed. Now, old school people know what I'm talking about. My mother had this metal thing and it had a metal mesh and it had a, a crank. Are y'all with me? Is anybody know some of the older people in the room? You're like, oh yeah, I got one home still, John. It's retro. All right, so, and you would like put the flower in and you would like spin it and all the little stuff that didn't want to come out would stay in the, the wire mesh and then all of a sudden the stuff would come out. But I'm going to relate it to a coffee because I figured today everybody in here would like relate it to coffee. So it's like the coffee filter. So what happens is Satan is asked to sift you as wheat. So he says, I'm going to, Satan says, I'm going to take Peter, and I'm going to put him through this filter. And what's going to come out of him, I am going to separate, I am going to separate from Peter his faith. Whenever Satan asks to sift you and I, he wants to separate us from our faith. That's right. If he can destroy it, but notice this. Notice the authority of God. Simon, Simon, 
Satan has asked. Satan can't do anything because Jesus is daddy. The creation, Satan, cannot say to the creator, I'm going to do something unless the creator allows it. And you'll say, well, John, this promotes a heavy theological problem here because we have now the problem of evil. Because why would God allow Satan to do things as in Job? Right? Isn't that what he has to do? Think about it in Job. Job chapter 1, 9 through 11. You'll see it up here. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, he asked, he's wanting to separate faith. He had to ask God for permission. And look what Satan, look at the separation of faith. He wants your faith. He wants your faith. He wants us to, to deny God and walk away from God. The distance would create such a chasm and such a depth that we can't cross it. We might not can, but Jesus can walk on water. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for no reason? The reason why he wants distance is because some of you in this room have been blessed. And what's going to happen when you don't have a blessing? What's going to happen when you struggle to hit? What's going to happen when you struggle in a relationship? What's going to happen when you struggle? Is God no good then? Is my relationship with God built on favor or is it built on faith? Hmm. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. Job loves you because you're good to him. You know what I found about marriage? <laughs> Lynette has taught me this, not me. Here's what I found about marriage. Marriage is not a feeling, but a covenant. I don't feel close to Lynette sometimes. But she's still bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. There are days that maybe she would choose other things. But a covenant is not a choice, it's a commitment. And here you see the commitment of Job because of the work of God in his life. Satan says, have you not put a hedge? Listen to Satan. Listen to the voice of the enemy. You only love Jesus because you run a 4-4. You only love Jesus because he gave you something. You only love Jesus because he can fix something. You only love Je That's what he's saying. That's what he says. That's what he says to the world. They only, they, 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 I love when people say, well, you know what? Christianity is nothing but a crutch. And I went, you're right. It's more than that. It's my rock. <laughs> because without Jesus, where would I be? And Satan answered the Lord and said, "Is Job for God for no reason. Have you not put a hedge around him and his house and all that he has on every side? You bless the work of his hands and his possessions have increased in the land. But stretch out your hand and touch all that he has and he will curse you to your face. So what did God allow him to do? The oldest book that we have in the Bible written. So he takes all he has. Job doesn't curse him. Naked I came from the womb. Naked I'll return. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job chapter 2, 4 through 5. And so Satan's Roman goes to God, ask him, and then he said, then Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. All that a man has, he will give for his life. All that we have at the core of it is our faith, is the work of God in us. And then we respond in our limited free will by saying yes to God. All that a man has, he will give for his life. But you know what? That's not true out of church history, right, church historians? How many believers have died for their faith? How many believers consider it an honor to die for Jesus? This is not true. It's true for the world, but it's not true for Christians. But stretch out your hand and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse you to your face. I love what Piper said, Satan must go for permission before he troubles the lives of God's children. So Satan has power, but it is all by permission. And it is never out of God's control. When you're sifted, remember this. When there's distance, remember this. Satan might have permission, but he does not have control. God is in control. 
and he can snap that leash anytime he wants. Romans 8, 17 says this, now if we are children, then heirs, heirs of God, co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may share in his glory. I, I believe the reason why God allows this, uh, it's not an easy answer, but it's, a, it's, it's an answer that God, the secret things belong to God, Deuteronomy 29, 29, but we know this, that what's going to happen is that, that God is going to use sufferings, the sufferings of his people, to bring glory to God, to show evil for what it really is. This is a powerful way to share the testimony of God. Because what it does, it backfires on Satan. Because people, when, when, when Christians suffer, when Christians face challenges and they face distance, it backfires on Satan and God's people are drawn closer to Jesus and God is glorified even more. Or as John Piper would say, and so long as the disciples hold to their faith, trusting the power and the goodness of their God for hope, then they will not fall through the mesh into Satan's hand. We might be sifted, but that doesn't mean we're not saved. So how, John, how are we not in despair, crushed or destroyed? I just want to give you two quick reasons. Remember, the transformational confession today is because of Jesus and our filling in the Holy Spirit. Our distance will never equal despair. I'll show you distance. Go back to Luke chapter 22, uh, 31. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you, uh, sift all of you as wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I'm ready to go with you to prison and to death. Notice the high that he was on. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny, you will deny three times that you know me. Skip down to verse 54 in Luke 22 in your phone, on your phones or in your Bibles or whatever you got. Then seizing him, this is verse 54, they led him away and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter, look at this, followed out of what, saints? That's what I'm talking about. When things don't go right, it's easy to become distant. That's where, I, that's where the Holy Spirit gave me this. The danger of distance, Mark Bishop would say. But distance does not equal despair. Though you feel distant and something might have gone wrong, or you know somebody you're ministering to, and you're trying to help them, and you're pointing to, though something goes wrong, God is still in control. And when some there had kindled the fire in, a, in the middle of the courtyard and, and he sat down together, Peter sat down with him. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him. He said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you are also one of them. Man, I'm not. Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Probably heard his speech. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed, the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. The danger of distance. So how do we recover? The first reason is because of Jesus and the Holy Spirit gives us victory over despair. Uh, the reason why the Holy Spirit gives us victory over despair is that the gap between us and God is removed. Ezekiel 22:30. This is the gap that we all face. Remember, there was an example in this in Scripture. Israel had gone into exile. Look at this gap. Look, I looked for someone among them to build up the wall before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Here's what I want to tell you. The reason why there was no one is because Jesus hadn't come yet. Jesus is the only one who can stand in the gap and build up the wall. You with me? He's the only one who can stand where God's put you in ministry. He's the only one who can stand and build. We build in the name of Jesus. We stand in the gap in the name of Jesus. And I want to promise you, no matter how much quicksand God has you step in a ministry, that his rock is higher than any sinking sand. And that cross will be a front in rear guard Ephesians 2 says it this way, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, that is 
that is, we can be with God in the presence of God living within us, uh, added to thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. That's, the, that's the, Jesus becoming the Word, became flesh, which put which he put to death their hostility. You see what happens is that our distance because of our sin, right? Because of our sin, the old elevation song, my, my shame was great, but Jesus is great, right? You know, this distance, I can't get to God. I can't get to God, but God can get to me. And then what happens, we go into ministry and ministry places, everyone is in ministry, and then you're in a place and you can say, man, God sent me to you to show you Jesus. God is closing the gap. And that's what happens. That is why distance will never lead to despair because God will always rescue us. And he will use us to rescue others. He will rescue through the words that he gives you and the ministry that he gives you being the hands and feet of God. Isaiah 35, 8 says this, and a highway will be there. It will be called, what is it? So what is it called? Oh, it's up there. Yeah, it is. It will be called the way of holiness. And everybody in this room knows what I'm talking about. Because when you gave your life to Christ, if you're believing in this room, there was a way of holiness. Jesus said, I am the, there's a way of holiness. And we walk with Jesus. And wherever he leads, I'll go. I'll follow my Christ who loves me so, wherever he leads. There's a, there's a highway or there's a way of holiness. And this is the way you'll hear it. Isaiah even talked about you whisper behind your ear. You know what he said? Remember that in Isaiah? This is the way. Walk in it. And then how he talked to Elijah when Elijah was depressed, when he felt distant from God, got him the only one left. Jezebel's killed all the prophets. And there's a whisper in your ear. You're probably going to hear the whisper today. And the world's going to say, what? And you're stepping out into something crazy. You're stepping something out and the world says, what? But it is a way of holiness because God is going before you. Just like he did for them in the desert and the promised land. There's a way of holiness. And he closed the gap. And his name is Jesus. Look what he goes on to say. It will be for those who walk on that capital way. Look what it says. Capital. There's a reason why. It's calling about Jesus. Look what it goes on to say here. This is beautiful. The unclean will not journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. Verse 9. No lion will be there. Why? Because Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. We've already discovered this in Revelation. We already talked about this in Revelation chapter 5. We get the lamb. The world gets the lion. No lion will be there, nor any ravenous beast that will not be found there. Because Jesus is undefeated. No Goliath can defeat you until God says yes. But only the redeemed will walk there. Pharaoh tried to walk the way of holiness, did he not? I didn't hear you. Remember when, the, remember when the parting of the Red Sea? Come on, come on with me. What happened when they went in the Red Sea? What happened when they tried to go to the highway of holiness? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead and, and marry somebody who don't follow Jesus. Either you're going to step off the highway or they will. That didn't sound like we're going to build a big church on that. Huh? That's why people, cause some people can't go with you if they're not called. God's not being mean. He's anointed. He's perfect. He's kind. He's gentle. He's not trying to hurt anybody. It'll hurt the person that goes with you, and it'll hurt you. It's a highway of holiness. The gap's been closed. But the second reason is this. And hey, can you play behind me? This is so good. Is anybody, are you liking this or no? Yes or no? All right, come on now. Come on. The Lord is good. All right, so, here's, so the first reason is that the, Jesus and the Holy Spirit will remove any type of horizontal distance. So our distance will never equal despair because, this, because Jesus will come to us even when we don't know where he is in the midst of our journey. But then the second reason is, is that Jesus and the Holy Spirit will remove distance and despair. The second reason is because we are sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. God just doesn't remove the distance of the horizontal, but he removes the distance of the vertical.
when you feel empty, when I feel empty and alone, and God, this weight is too much for me. I can't be a pastor. I can't cherry. I'm not good enough. All these things, right? right? And we, then we have pithy statements. We have colloquialisms. You know, God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the call. I mean, all that sounds pithy and nice, but it doesn't mean anything until the Holy Spirit does something in me. That's why, that's why Moses said, God, I'm not going anywhere. I won't go to the promised land without you. I'd rather stay in the desert with you because where you are, there's hope. There's a chance. King David said, I'd rather fall into the mercy of God. So there's got to be there's this vertical problem. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14 says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, we're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. I'm not saying this, the Word of God said this. The moment that you and I, that grace became so powerful that we saw Jesus, we went to Him and said yes. We said yes. Listen, salvation happened before we ever prayed a prayer. Jesus said, out of the mouth the heart speaks. So God had already taken out a heart of stone and given us a heart of flesh. He, the heart is deceitful above all things in Jeremiah, and he took it out. And so what happens at that moment, God is now putting a seal around our heart. He's putting a seal, the Holy Spirit. And that seal is the Spirit speaks to our conscience. He speaks to our soul, our mind, emotions, and will. He speaks to it. So when we walk into something we shouldn't walk into, we feel uneasy. We don't feel right, right? We have a check. Some people say, I have a check. I have a check. Or, or they, you know, it's, I'm, I'm just not feeling, this is not maybe what God wants. And so there's this, there's this check that God gives us because he sealed it. But what's awesome, awesome about the seal of God is the seal of God means that God will never leave us. Jesus had to purify the body for, you said, but John, in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and go. Yes, because Jesus hadn't purified the body so they could stay permanently. In him, that is Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the gospel, and he says, he explains what the word of truth is, the gospel of your salvation. It's right here in scripture. This is exegesis. And believed in him that is responded by a call to die. I surrender my life, and by surrendering our life to Christ, then we deny ourselves, Luke 9, 23, take up our cross and follow daily. And where God sends us, we put the cross on the ground, we stand on it, the cross goes before us, the cross guards us from our past that tries to haunt us, and we say, no thank you, get behind me, Satan. We keep walking forward, and God does a mighty work. Though sometimes we feel distant. We're sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's good for me to go away, so I send the helper, the paraclete, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. That sealed is in the Greek, a passive voice means that you can't get it, you have to receive it. You can't go buy it, you have to receive it. There's nothing you can do. There's an example in Acts where Peter, like, you know, said, you better repent to the, to the sorcerer. He's like, you better repent. You think you can buy the Holy Spirit? No, 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 no. This is not something that you can get. This is something that's given. It literally means this. It's a roller or a seal uh, that they would stamp, or a seal, it would be a seal like a signet ring, but it, it, or they would use another instrument like a roller or stamp. I love this. When the Holy Spirit rolls over me, he presses everything that's not him out of me. So when I get to a place that where the world tries to draw me and entice me, there's nothing left in me but Jesus that I don't have to worry about trying to climb a corporate ladder or have to worry about a financial ladder. I don't have to worry about a relationship ladder. There's just nothing but Jesus. Nothing but Jesus. But you might say, but John, I'm in it too deep. I don't know if God can reach this low. I don't know if God can reach this low. This depth that I'm in, this depth that I'm ministering in is too low or I feel so low or somebody I'm with is too low. They just feel like they can't come out of it. And that's why they don't want to be around believers. They don't want to be around church. They don't just run from everything. But John 3, 34, John the Baptist said something powerful. He said, for the one whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God gives the spirit without limit. That means there's no depth of despair that God cannot cover. So what's our action point? So here's the land of the plane. You ready? If the worship team wants to come up, let me just tell you, it's going to be uncomfortable. So you might not. If you want to go get a donut, now's the time. Just save me one. Some people say, John, you're going Baptist Coastal. 
The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says, do not be drunk with wine, which leads to what? Anybody remember? Debauchery. Uh, in the Greek, um, unsaved acts. Because see, when, you're, when, you're, when you get drunk, you listen to another spirit. But be filled. It's a participle in the Greek, a present participle. It's a filling. It's a continual filling. The ceiling never leaves. You say, but John, I don't hear the voice of, uh, sometimes my sin, I don't hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. Because Ephesians 4, chapter 30 says, do not grieve the Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So when I keep telling the Holy Spirit no, His voice doesn't leave me, it just gets soft. So today, as believers, if you're wild enough, which is why I love Summit, if you just feel rogue enough for the believers in this room I'm going to ask you to do something uh, but if you're, if you're afraid it's okay God knows our hearts it's okay God's just not like any judgment That's not what, judgment's done <laughs> our salvation's in Jesus do you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit because here's why you and I can do the work of God but not feel the presence of God without a feeling it's the sealing of the Holy Spirit within me that allows me to sense His presence in the midst of the distance around me. If I don't have Him in me, my cup will never runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord. Isn't that what Psalm 23 says? It's got to come from within. It can't come from without. If I'm overflowing in the Holy Spirit, then I give to my wife, and my wife, she, even if she doesn't, gift back and says your gift was terrible it doesn't affect me because I'm giving out of the love of Christ do you want to be filled you want to, you want to walk in the fullness of God and in the power of God walk in the filling now you have the Holy Spirit but, the, but some leaders in this church and I, and I want the leaders I want you to come and pray and there's some people I've asked to pray I'm going to ask them to pray over you but I want you to call upon the Lord Jesus said in John 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I'll do it. Now, I know he's given us the Holy Spirit, but it's up to us to ask God, fill us, fill us, fill us. You think I don't pray for filling before I come up here? I, I pray Luke eleven thirteen. 13. I prayed this this morning. And Jesus uh, was talking in a parable. He talked about people who don't know him. He says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, Luke eleven thirteen. 13, if you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more you were helping Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? I will never fulfill what God has called me to do in the victory that he's working around me if I don't have the victory here before I'll have the victory here. It's got to happen here. So, yes, you have the Holy Spirit within you and sealed. But there are these feelings of the Holy Spirit that empower us to do what he's called us to do. So if you're hungry enough and thirsty enough, then you can come to the well that will fully satisfy you. That's what Jesus told the woman at the well. You'll never thirst again. Father, I pray right now, and I don't know who in this room will just come up as I'm praying right now Maybe they want to get on their knees. Maybe they want to sit on the, the amp. Maybe they want to uh, fall on their face. Who in here needs a feeling of God? They're feeling distant. They, or maybe they're in a distant place. You've called them to something that's just feeling distant. Maybe they don't have a relationship that they want, and there's just distance. Oh, God, please, I beg you as a church. Gosh, I'm just getting on my knees, Lord. Not, not on these God, as, 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 as someone who's called to be your under-shepherd, you're the shepherd of this church. Here's what I ask, Lord. That I sense your Holy Spirit speaking to me. Fill us with your Holy Spirit. We ask you, Lord, by the mercy of Jesus Christ, and your mercies are new every morning, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, that your power would be so within us that we could see the external presence of your power. God, we want the relationship that we have with you. 
We need it. And the Holy Spirit, and Jesus promised us him that he would remind us the very words of Jesus and of you, Lord. He would convict the world of sin in regards to righteousness. And then the Holy Spirit will, will give us power. Power in the places that you've called us to so the dead can become alive. Lord, please, right now, in the name of Jesus, I pray that the leaders in this church would just come and pray over people. God, listen, we call upon you. We're not going to, we're going to call upon you. This church needs a filling of the Holy Spirit. We need you, Lord. We need you. So we, like Samuel in the Old Testament, cry out, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. If there's anyone in this room, Lord, who does not know you, they're no match for sin. They have no power. Satan, might can defeat an unbeliever, but he will never defeat the Savior. He is no match for Jesus. So, Lord, I pray, if there's anyone in this room who is distant because of salvation, that they would call right now in the name of Jesus. Jesus, save me. I confess that I'm a sinner and you're the only one who can rescue me. I believe that you died on the cross and that God, you rose him from the dead. And I surrender my life to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that distance will never be despair. That confusion will never mean crushed. That broken down will never mean destroyed. Thank you for saving me. I am a new creation. Behold, all things are new. Lord, fill us. Shake this church with your presence.